Ladies and gentlemen, you are listening to a brand new podcast. Podcast is called Love God Like Sports. This is based on a concept of ministry, the new scoreboard by Brian Davidson. Um, and this particular podcast is going to have kind of a subheading perspectives in sports. Um, Brian, how are you today? Doing great, Nate. Glad to be with you. Glad to get this launched and off the ground. Yeah, very excited about that. Um, we want to dive right in because uh, this podcast is is basically the introduction. We have so much we want to cover over the next um, weeks, months, and hopefully years to come. Uh, so this one, we just want to give uh, families, um, sports enthusiasts, people who could really just benefit from this idea. But first, tell us a little bit about yourself and your background with sports and family and all sports ministry, all those things that are going to be pulled together in this unique ministry and podcast that you're trying to start up. Sure. Well, I have a title that uh, nobody else is going to be able to claim. Uh, and that's Chief Center of Christians in Sports today. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, I've been uh, an athlete, uh, a coach. I've traveled the world doing sports ministry. I'm currently an adjunct professor at Liberty University teaching sports ministry. <laughs> and so, I, you know, if you had to really sum up my, my, my life, it would be I'm a sports junkie. Who fell in love with God? Yeah, and it's been a, it's been quite a journey. Um, I grew up in a, in a family that grew up in Massachusetts. So if you grew up in Massachusetts, you know the, the state religion is sport. <laughs> <laughs> so, like you know, I, I Nate, I can remember at seven years old, right? Yeah, nineteen sixty seven. The, the Red Sox got like two games left to go in their possible dream year. And I'm outside playing baseball. Um, and my brother drives up with a friend. And my dad walks out the door. And my brother has scored three tickets to the second last game in which the Red Sox have to win to win the pennant. And I realize I am not in their plans. <laughs> And a neighbor had to pry my hands off the car door as they pulled away to go to Fenway Park and left me home. And I thought about that years later, you know, like, how did I get so passionate about the sports at age seven? And I think, you know, sometimes as, as fathers, we do a great job at passing on to our children uh, our favorite teams. Yeah. And, and I think as we become Christians, you know, I think we have like kind of a biblical mandate to train up our kids in the way that they should go, you know, so that when they get older, they don't turn from those ways. And I just have a heart to kind of go, you know, like I've been in sports all my life, played all sorts of different roles. And I'm excited for families to kind of repurpose their youth sports participation. Yeah. Um, you know, kind of um, in a way that would have a new scoreboard would be honoring it to God. And um, 
Specifically with answering, I think, your question, that's kind of more of my message. It's on my heart and the place that I've gotten to today. I played played sports from an early age. When I wasn't playing, I was watching them. I used to have friends come over and watch. We'd have multiple TVs. When I wasn't playing or watching, I was dreaming about sports. And and quite frankly, Nate, like my eyes could be open. I could be in class. The teacher could be talking, but I wasn't listening. I was like a Fenway Park, you know. Unfortunately, that happened at church as well. The pastor could be talking. I could be looking right at right at him. They met me, and I'd be like in Fenway Park or Man right. United or Gort somewhere. And so I was really like a literally a sports junkie. I went on to college and played at Houghton College and was an honorable mention All-American there. We won a couple national championships. Um I coached in, in high school. I've coached youth. I've coached high school. My wife and I started the Charlotte Eagles uh, professional soccer club, which is an all Christian soccer club. It's been around about 25 years now. Mm-hmm. Um, I've had a great impact on the lives of, of many people through camps, thousands of kids there. And we've traveled to over 50 countries doing projects through soccer. And then my wife and I, with another family, started what's called Sports Friends International, yeah. which is a, a ministry to um, empower local churches to reach their kids um, that are all around the churches that aren't going to church with by building a bridge through sports initiatives and then helping um, church planters also yeah. figure out how to use sports to really get into unreached uh, areas and all. So, um, and you know, I, I love coaching. I love playing. I love being in sports ministry. And now I'm real excited to get families excited about repurposing their families' use sports participation. Yeah, that's so great. And, you know, knowing you, um, I, I don't know if, you know, uh, I mentioned this, but you are my father-in-law. I married your daughter, Joy. And, um, I have seen, uh, you know, in my short time being in the family, I've even seen some of a transformation um, of what has happened with you in, you know, becoming more and more passionate for God and how God has used your passion for sports for his glory. And that's been a really neat experience for me personally to see. Um, And when we say, you know, when we talk about your experience and your background, obviously, Right now, in this first podcast, we're slightly limited in in the depth that we're going into, you know, your quote unquote credentials. But over the course of this podcast, those things will become more apparent. Um, one of the things that really has struck at, stuck out to me over the years with you um, has been uh, one of your key phrases that you say, and um, that's the glory of the impossible. Um, you have been talking about that concept for yes. a number of years. Can you talk about um, talk about what that means and in the scope of what we're going to be seeing in the new scoreboard, that idea of the glory of the impossible? Absolutely. First, let me say thank you for admitting that I'm your father-in-law. You know, not everybody <laughs> likes to, to do that. So that's good that we've got that good relationship there. Um, Yes, you did steal my first job. Oh, no, no, sorry, that wasn't the question. <laughs> the glory of the impossible, yeah, I don't, there was a, a little book written by that name many, many years ago 
by a man named Albert Hausler, and he talked about his story through SIM, and boy, I don't know, when I saw that, it just leapt out at me, but here's what I mean by it. It's when God goes beyond anything you can dream or imagine in working in your life or through your life, and for me it was in and through my life and the platform of sports to bring about glory to to his name. Mm-hmm. And when that happens and when God goes beyond anything you can dream or imagine, he does that in your life or through your life, then he gets all the glory. You can't rob him of that. It would be kind of like trying to take like credit for your birth. Yeah. That's (laughs) impossible, you know? It's him who does it. And in the new scoreboard, like, that's what I want to see. I want to see, like, in us and families, athletes and coaches, there's a great myth out there that that sport develops character. It really doesn't. You have to be intentional to Mm -hmm. bring about... Uh, character development or, or conduct change in our lives and it really comes through the power of abiding in him and the holy spirit and all and so like i think we have to be intentional mm-hmm. in our spiritual formation because god says hey um i oppose the proud oh wow so how do we be involved in sports and bring about cultivate humility we need god to do that so that's in our lives but here's the thing it's about being then putting ourselves in position to be used by god as we're on mission with god in the sports community whether that's between the lines on the sidelines or in the stands and if we'll have this kind of kingdom perspective change and we'll have a passion that's really about loving God with all our heart, soul, strength, and mind, then he could use us powerfully to love our neighbors. And what we can see is potentially trophies of grace. Yeah. That's life changes. Lives being actually transformed and God using us to bring that about. And that's what I get really passionate for um and nobody can take credit for the results they're all those results are are like gods and and let me say one one other thing sure it's like when i came to christ um and this whole sports thing tried to work itself out how do i integrate my faith into competition the lord like the, the calling was i needed to surrender my passion and my gifts and my talents in sports at the foot of the cross in order to take the message of the cross um, to my neighbor, whether that be local or, or global. And if I would do that, <clears throat> be obedient, faithful in God's eyes, and be in position for that, then super great things are happening. And man, when I've seen people come to know Christ through... Um, God's transforming work and using me to do that within the initiatives or the teams that I've been with there's no trophy that you can hug or kiss or a ring that you could kiss that even compares with just the joy of being part of the God's process and seeing somebody come to know him yeah 
Yeah, and so I think you know it's it, it's going to be more than fair to say that this podcast is going to be specifically aimed at believers. Not that others can't benefit from it, but what we're talking about, um, you know, you mentioned that quote, you know, sports develops character. Do you think it's more apt to say, you know, sports enhances the character that's already there? Yeah, you know, here's what I think. I I believe sports reveals character. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, that's the thing for me. When you get in that crucible of competition, mm-hmm. whether it's watching your kids or whether you know you're actually the participant. Yeah, man, your heart's revealed. I mean, like, and everybody usually laughs at this, you know, but like. Go watch a church softball and basketball league, you know? I mean, what happens there? I mean, yeah. there some of the most mature Christians, pastors, elders, deacons, Sunday school teachers, lose it. I mean, like, so something happens there that we need to get to the bottom of. Yeah. And what's being revealed there, we need to um, deal with a little bit because... We need to be the sweet aroma of Christ as we compete to win, not a stinky, smelly odor like a you know a uniform top that hasn't been washed in a month. Yeah, you know? yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I think that's the thing, and so really, I think too oftentimes we spend the too much time on character development and behavior modification, and really, I've tried that. And what that is, it's a striving to be better on my part. And the truth is, it has um, little positive results. It's really what I found out, the real power behind the new scoreboard, um, both for ourselves and our teaching within our families and for our athletes and coaches, is that we have to learn to abide in him. Yeah, yeah. And that's, that's really that's where the power is. yeah that's that's really where that phrase comes from the glory of the impossible because it takes a wretched sinner and turns them around to someone who takes all that pride and all that you know look at me and that wanting to be up on that pedestal and says it's all about it's all about God and I know one of the things that we want to do in the coming weeks we just had the Olympics back in August is to look at some of those athletes kind of a a good bad and ugly of sports because I think in that you can see those athletes in the things that they say the ones who truly are serving God you can see the ones who have had quote-unquote the behavior modifications and then you can see the ones that just they, they want it to be all about them Right. Um, and so, you know, I know that's one of the things that we want to do at some point is just kind of looking at, all right, what does this athlete look like outside of Christ? What does this athlete look like who clearly is trying to give the glory back to Christ? Um, and so I think that's going to be a really fascinating one that we do. Um, let me ask you real quick going into... Um, obviously not going into too much detail, but one of the things that you want is for this to be a complete package. So you're going to have a teaching component and a teaching element to it. You're going to have um, uh, books and resources 
that people will eventually be able to get a hold of to be able to work together through with their family. You have been integrating this in your home life over the past several years with uh, your three youngest boys. And can you talk to me a little bit about um, how how has that looked over over the course of the time that you've been doing that? What have you been doing? How have you been helping them who, I mean, your boys are extremely talented in sports. You know, if, if anyone has a right to look and, and boast on their kids in sports, and I know you don't like to do this, but I want people to understand we're not just talking about someone who, yeah, my kids are okay at sports. I mean, your kids are super talented when it yeah. comes to sports. Yeah. And so how have you been helping and training them in your family to, to take the emphasis off of themselves and to give the glory back to God? Some of those more practical tools and techniques that you have been using to help them. Yeah, well, great question. <clears throat> For us, we had to, and my wife Chris and I, we had to ask some basic questions. Um, I think a lot of people out there who will listen to this will understand, if especially if they have multiple kids, that the youth sports system is broken, mm. and it is. It's hard to measure. But the cost is great for families to be involved with youth sports. And Christian families have, are having a hard time navigating uh, this whole involvement with youth sports, mm-hmm. uh, especially if their kids are pretty good or they just have multiple kids because the better, the more athletic the child is, the more often they have opportunities to play at higher levels which means a much greater commitment Mm. uh, both to time to finances and I think it's a little bit of a deception in the world of sports and maybe even from the enemy of God using this because what ends up happening is we get taken away from things that really matter number one uh, family discipleship Mm. You know, I think too oftentimes we've outsourced our discipleship to churches and to youth groups and to Christian schools. And really, we have to own that. Uh, That's what it says in Deuteronomy 6. You know, we really need to teach our kids uh, the commands and starting with love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, your mind. And again, in Proverbs, we're, we're we're called the biblical mandate to train up our kids in the way to go. And so... Having said that, as the kind of the background for answering your question, it, I, we had to get to a place. Go, wait a minute, wait a minute. What are we giving up here? This is crazy. Yeah. So you step back and you say, just like you would if you're starting a new business. You know, you you, you say, what's our mission statement here? Yeah. <laughs> you know, a mission statement really says why. Yeah. Why are our kids in youth sports? And then. What's our compelling vision? like, Or what's our ultimate desired outcome? When they finish playing, uh, get to the age of 18, and walk out of our house, how has youth sports, forget about all the athletic achievements and accomplishments, how has youth sports and our family's involvement, our kids' participation there, how has that come under submission to them being trained up in the way to go? 
Yeah. And, and, and you have to be really intentional there. So what we've done is we've started basically, we have our own game plan for doing that. We have a mission statement. We have a vision statement. And then we, we have a strategic uh, teaching plan that's both formal and informal that we'll talk about in the weeks to come and, and how we go about it. But I, I will tell you this, one of our teaching models and our formal approach is learn, apply, grow, become a learner. Meaning that in learn, uh, what we do is we, we take a scripture. That's our playbook. Mm-hmm. What does scripture say? And, and we will memorize a, a scripture. So it might be James 4, 6 that talks about God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. And then we'll say, uh, within learn, we'll kind of like sit on that a little bit, discuss it like, man, what does that mean? So for instance, um, let's take a specific. So I might ask, you know, Gideon, okay, so if you score a touchdown, or my son Josh, who's playing football right now, like, how do you celebrate? How do you celebrate in such a way that it's not all about you? Yeah. You know? <laughs> and, and so how to, and, and then we basically have a, a mindset, a, a change in a thinking pattern, you know, with that a little bit, you know, and say, how do I respond? How do I be really excited, you know, joyful? Yeah. But without it being all about me. And so, so, and then we like go out and do it. Go apply that to sports. And then we talk about it when we fail or fall short or what the challenges are. And that's how we're growing in it. Uh, so we've learned, apply, and grow. And a learner simply for us is like, how do we take that biblical truth and be able to live it out? Um, that's what becomes important for us. And, and, and so that's kind of our formal part of it. But, we'll, you know, Nate, we'll watch games. We'll go to games. And... Every single time, there are all types of situations that come up. I mean, you know, here's a little bit of a funny one, uh, but really kind of sad, is that we're at a a Christian game, a high school football game recently, and the game's over, and our team has lost in a close, you know, a great game, but we lost. And both teams are in a circle praying uh, Mm -hmm. out in the field, and... In the stands, there's about four or five, six fathers uh, with extremely negative words for official that they believe cost us the game. Mm. Now, those are two contrasting pictures. They're like, what is going on there? Yeah. And so that'll bring up discussion with our kids like, hey, do you what's my conduct look like? You know, yeah. I've got a model you know, the right type of, you know, Christ-like aroma in the stands, my presence. And, um, you know, so we talk about things like that, Nate, even like of having like a, a covenant with them that I would not, that I would model that aroma, that I wouldn't be yelling at officials, that I wouldn't be coaching them from the sidelines. Mm-hmm. That uh, I wouldn't be yelling at other parents or negatively speaking to referees and you know things like that that are important. So it's a full it's a full package there of a game plan, um, an approach of basically like 
how do we live out our love for God? Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. how do we lo- live that out? Um, yeah. Yeah. No. So, um, can you just talk to us a little bit about um, the difference between because your your children there's several years between your first four and these um, last three Joy is your oldest Gideon is your youngest and there's more than a 20 year difference between the two um, can you talk a little bit about the transformation that has occurred between when you were raising your first four and then raising these three within the environment of sports, just kind of your personal transformation and journey in that, because I think it's going to help people to really understand that this is a process. This isn't an over the night thing that's going to happen immediately. Yeah, exactly. In both cases, I've loved the Lord. Mm-hmm. So that was neither. That was never the question. It was really how do you like <clears throat> line up your passion with what matters most to God when you're a parent with kids in youth sports, mm-hmm. and and I think it it also then you kind of get honed in on like what your your purposes are. So what really is taking place is, hey, these are intentional spiritual formation times and we need to be on mission with God. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas early, and, and that's, that's kind of developed uh, because, well, well, let me say two other things. In perspective, you got to think kingdom perspective. So you got to really fully understand what it means, what winning means. Yeah, and and really, it's glorifying God, not the results um, of anything. So, so for us, and then I think our presence has to be a sweet aroma. So, those are the four things because that's what puts us in position for the the, the what I call the possible, the glory of the impossible. Yeah, and so what's happened is I wasn't I was really bad as an athlete. Uh, in terms of like integrating, I really struggled. I would have loss of self control, really a lot of attitude problems, not the love that I needed. The, the fruit of the spirit oftentimes wasn't around mm-hmm. when I was competing personally as an athlete. As a coach, there was some transformation there, but not, I mean, I, not enough. There were still epic failures. Uh, as a Christian there. I didn't swear, you know, things like that. But, like, I was very still worldly. There wasn't a a, a lot of distinguishing marks Mm -hmm. um, there. Um, And then as I started parenting my kids, I think the Lord gave me three girls (laughs) to begin with. Because... Well, first of all, Joy, she, she was just a miracle baby. We were glad she survived some early health problems. But, like, she read books. And so she would read books, like, on the bench when she wasn't playing, you know? And right. she was such a sweetheart. And I loved it. And she was there really for the friendships and just having fun. And really, that that spoke to me. That helped me keep things in perspective, you know, a lot more. I still want to coach her, and I probably coach her too much because I was a soccer guy and she was playing soccer. But I just, I really loved it with her. But she helped me have the right perspective because I really enjoyed her playing even just at the rec level. I loved going to watch her play and, and do that. But she could keep just a smile on my face that way. Danielle came along, our second one. She was a little bit more talented 
in terms of of sports why she didn't have some of the health problems and all but um again i just i think god was really at work with me so i didn't push her push her as much but i i I probably put a little bit more training in there um Kyle came along, you get your first son, and like I was really too hard on him. And I got frustrated, Nate. Mm-hmm. I was like, I remember one day I walked upstairs and I was like, you know, Chris, you know, because like I said, you know, I was an All-American. I won some national championships. I ended up being inducted in some Hall of Fame. And so for me, and I'm only 5'9", and when I jump, I'm like, my vertical's like three inches, you know. <laughs> So I've got nothing to offer there. But I had a lot of intensity and passion and it worked hard. And my son was like climbing a tree or playing guns in the backyard. And I was like, Chris, he's never going to get to where he needs to be with sports. How come he's playing all these other things? And she looked at me and she was like, he's going to be a whole lot more well-rounded than you. (laughs) And it was like, again, a word from my wife that was startling there, you know? Um... Yeah. And and it kept some perspective on things. And we had our, uh, a fourth child, our third daughter, Joanna. She was talented, but we moved overseas, and she couldn't do some of the things there and all. But again, I just I, I began really starting to want their hearts. And I think with the, with the four, Nate, and I'm sorry I'm taking so much time on this, but really giving you the journey of it. Yeah, I had another experience where we were sitting down at the table, and again, I love the Lord, and. I was teaching the kids before they went off to school about the Red Sox lineup. Mm-hmm. And I was I remember going like, Danielle, you know, okay, your turn. What do you think? And she missed one of the players. And then I gave her a visual to remind her of what, who that player was yeah. so she wouldn't forget next time. And they went off out the door. And my wife said, you know, those wives, they have so much wisdom and discernment. Um, <laughs> she says, uh, Brian, and I could tell by the tone I was in trouble. And she <laughs> said, um, "Like Brian, like lately you've been talking to our kids more about sports and the Red Sox and memorizing the lineup than you have teaching them about God and memorizing Scripture." And like for like a second and a half, I wanted to defend myself, but I had no case. <laughs> It was horrible. And so that, Nate, got me going. That really, really got me going. And as I really got off and thinking, you know, I really wished um, I had more of a a plan. And so God really just started doing a lot of things in my life. And and I had some mess-ups in sports. And I really wanted to begin just having my kids really enjoy sports and play. And I had a major... Um, I was my oldest son. He played soccer again. I was a big soccer guy in this community. And I remember looking at him and going, son, you don't need to play soccer anymore. Mm. You should be released to play anything you want. Don't play soccer for me because it's my favorite sport. And a lot of kids are playing sports that their dads love. And they need to be released from, and even daughters. Um, And when we did that, it was phenomenal. He became an outstanding runner. I knew nothing about cross-country running. I thought, who would ever want to be running all the time, you know? (laughs) And it was fantastic. And so God was doing a great work, even within my, my, the journey within my first four. And then God brings us 
three boys, which is an amazing story we'll share on another show, and they are really athletic. Mm -hmm. But they're brokenhearted. They had lost their dad. They were living in an orphanage, and they were rejected by another family here in the States already. So they had broken hearts. And so I knew, Nate, that from my own life, I had an emotional need to win because I had lost my mom and had been separated from my dad and he died young. And so I had this emotional need to win and my identity, self-worth and significance got caught up yeah. in my performance, my achievements. I love to hear people clapping for me. And I thought, whoa, here are some boys who don't know the Lord have had broken journeys. And all you have to do is read like Jerry West's book or Andre, Andre Agassi's books to see some of the things that have gone on in their lives through too much emphasis on sports to say, what's important to me? And that's where I got really, really specific, Nate, on saying we have to have a game plan here. Why are we in sports? What are the marks of spiritual maturity we want our kids walking out the door with? Yeah. You know, and how do I go about within sports bringing that about? And then we as a family need to be on mission with God. And therefore, it's not all about my kid making a name for my kid or some elusive scholarship that's out there. It's about praying for the kids on our team who don't know Christ, looking for the needs of some of the families that are out there, single moms that might need to have their children for a ride home or whatever, you know? Yeah. Um, really, discussion points. And it really, it's fun because there's all sorts of issues in sports every day we can talk about with the kids and be able to transition from those to teaching biblical truth and and that's really kind of what we're really excited about within our family right now and want to pass on to others so i'm sorry for the length of that response but i think that really kind of brings the the, the journey from start to finish there and gives you insights into where we're at today yeah no and and i actually i really appreciate that because um you know one of the reasons why i wanted to bring that up was because um, as we're winding down our time, I just I want to emphasize and remind to people that uh, there are so many things out there right now, so many books, so many sermons that are a one, two, three, four, fix it step. Uh, you know, five ways to increase your prayer life, six ways to improve your family, seven ways to get closer to God, and this is a process and a journey that is going to span. A lifetime, and it's never going to fully be realized until we are on the other side of heaven. And I, something that has really been brought to my mind is four different times in the New Testament, Paul speaks about, you know, we often look at Paul and we say, man, there was a guy who was so spiritual and God used him so mightily and he just had it all together. And I think sometimes we forget that even with Paul, there was a journey and a process. And four different times he talks about the things that has been learned in his life in order to get him to where he currently was when he was writing those epistles. You know, Philippians 4.9, what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me practice. Philippians 4.11, not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned. Philippians 4.12, 
I know how to be brought low and I know how to abound in every circumstance I have learned. And then in 2 Timothy, he's talking to Timothy, but as for you, continue in what you have learned. And so Paul really emphasizes this concept of learning, that this isn't a an instant transformation. This is a process that you are going to start here, wherever you are in Christ, and you are going to grow and learn. And that means you're going to make mistakes. Sometimes you're going to take two steps forward and only, or two steps back and only one step forward. Sometimes you're going to take 10 steps forward. Sometimes you're going to take 20 steps back. But this is a process of growing and learning. And I know your heart is not to make this some ritualized, legalistic form for people. So many times the things that we're going to say and we're going to mention, these are things that you are applying in your life and in your family. But I know your heart isn't to make sure every family looks identical to what you do in your family, that your heart and your passion is to let Jesus Christ and the gospel convict families so that they redefine how they view sports for God's glory. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think what we need is the repurposing of our family's youth sports participation around intentional spiritual formation and being on mission with God. Like you said, what that looks like specifically for everybody, it's going to be different. It is just going to play out differently. We're going to give some... Uh, practical suggestions, some best practices. Um, We're going to share experiences, hopefully, that others can um, also include in their family. Mm -hmm. But uh, we're also going to be helping each other. Here's what's working in our family. (laughs) Here's what's not working. So this is a cooperative. I certainly don't have all the answers here. Um, I just have had this conviction and this vision really from the Lord of like, wow, can you imagine if we could empower Christian families to truly um, really be armed with this, uh, going into the sports community with really two things on our mind, loving God and loving our neighbor as ourself. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> That's really the specific repurposing. It's that simple, you know? And, and how do we get to that place of um, loving God so much that we hate sin, mm-hmm. um, that we're motivated to please Him? Because that's what I want for my kids. I want my kids, when I'm all done, being really excited, uh, really loving God, with an attitude, not an activity. Yes. Not not saying, hey, I've done these six things. No, no, no. What's your heart like? Do you love God? You know, like, don't have devotions. Like, spend time with God because you love God. Right. You know? And, and so that's what we want. And then, like, hey, it's not God, family, and football. It's, like, God and everything. So, like, right. when we go out into the sports community, we're on mission with God. Therefore, we're called to love our neighbor and, and Nate. The ref who makes a terrible call mm-hmm. is our neighbor. Yeah. yeah. The obnoxious other parents in the stands for the other team, they're our neighbors. Yeah. And so 
that's generally what we're are, we're calling to here, not a seven step approach or a ten step approach or whatever. But we'll pass along some some practices that we think are, are best practices that work. But it's not a blueprint. It's it's really kind of um, a, a new scoreboard. Yeah, yeah. Well, thank you so much. Um, you know, we are we're this one uh, a little longer than what we're probably normally going to do. Uh, normally, we're going to try to keep them around thirty minutes, but this one, you know, just with being the first one in the launch, we wanted to really explore what this podcast is going to get into the weeds, so to speak, of what we're going to get into over the course of this podcast. Um, and so, um, for those of you who know me, I am. Uh, on these go to 11 and pop culture ninja typically we have a sign-off phrase and one of the reasons why i really wanted brian to explain uh the glory of the impossible is because uh, i think i think that's an appropriate sign-off um every week is to not forget the glory of the impossible so thank you brian we're going to go ahead and sign it off now and uh we'll catch you all later